everybody welcome back to priority one podcast as always i'm caleb i'm lauren i'm andrew hoyt is not with us this week but we are going to continue with kind of a tradition instead of what's here so we've got andrew's asinine assertion so ligonier ministries um you might know that name because rc sproul started up a while back and they're kind of one of the titans in the evangelical ministerial world and they do a state of theology every year and this year we're we're, we're gonna get the findings for this year and then later on in the episode we're going to talk about first corinthians 8 because we've referenced certain issues on the podcast as being like it's a first corinthians 8 issue we've never really fleshed that out what that means and why we frame something like that so we're going to get into that later in the podcast as well but first things first lauren how intrigued are you with the current state of theology in the united states of america pretty intrigued all right let's get into it then so ligonier ministry this is a survey that they sent out to a lot of people um to united states adults and they uh clarify whether or not they are evangelicals or not so First question, does God change? So the statement is that God learns and adapts to different circumstances. So the way that this this is done is there's uh, a group of a bunch of statements that are made and you either agree or indifferent or you disagree with it. So it's or you can like strongly agree or strongly disagree. I was going to ask if it's a seven point scale or a three point scale. Yeah, I think it's a five. Okay. I believe could be wrong, but, um, we didn't make the survey. We only interpret the results. Yeah. Most surveys are a seven-point Likert scale. That's why I yeah. asked. Well, I mean, there's only five different slots on well, this you one. Have so they strongly, chose a five-point Likert scale. You have what? Strongly disagree. Disagree. disagree slightly disagree. Neutral. No, agree. Strongly agree. Non-applicable or no preference. Uh, maybe I don't know. That's that's the usual. I think seven point. Because well, okay. well, you, don't you normally just have like the oh it doesn't apply to me or I don't have any. You're, suppo- you're supposed to include in good survey science. You're supposed to include an option like that if it doesn't apply. But with something but, like this, I don't know that that's uh, relevant because they're this, trying to figure out. This is where your you your opinion on a theological stance. Not so. It's like. I, how many how many times a week opinions. do I go to Kroger? When if you live in Washington State, there's no Krogers up there. That's not applicable to you. Whereas like everyone has an opinion just on. Aren't open minded enough to just drive the 14 hours to your nearest oh Kroger. <laughs> so the uh, we'll be looking at a few of the statements. So this is statement number four: God learns and adapts to different circumstances. Okay. The U.S. adult finding. Is that fifty one percent? Oh no! Fifty one percent agree. Fifty one percent agree. Oh no! It's more than fifty. Now these are these are just U.S. adults, not necessarily evangelicals. Okay. Fifty one percent agree and thirty two percent disagree. What percentage of Christians? And the U.S. evangelical findings is that forty three percent disagree and forty eight percent agree. Oh no! So there's not a clear majority, but but But. more. (laughs) "Quote unquote evangelicals agree that God learns and adapts to difficult circum to different circumstances, than disagree with that statement. Isn't there an attribute of God that describes Him as all knowing? And yes, it's called un- omniscience, unchanging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's called His immutability. Yeah. 
I think the people like this forget that God created the time that you used yeah. to govern your life. And right. There well, are a bunch of not smart people. And it's also assuming that like things like this have never, ever happened before. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's things I've heard people say like, Satan never changes his tactics. He just molds them to fit the current scenario. So like you can still see right. the same evils, the same things happening over, that, even though true. it's different. Yeah. So God's not having to learn, oh my gosh, this is a brand new evil or this is a brand new thing right. Satan did. Now what do I, like it's the exact same thing and God knows it all the time. Right. And I think that it's, it's a very human thing to read our frame of reference into oh yeah re- read that on to get portray, uh, project, project project that's the word i was looking for project that on to god it is concerning that you know only 43 percent of evangelicals would disagree with this statement but moving on there are other more other more uh, other more difficult topics does it get worse than that yes oh no everyone is born innocent in the eyes of god Andrew just keeps saying, oh, no, he's going to say that the whole okay. time. Everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. I'm just going to talk about the evangelical findings because those are the ones that we actually care about. I don't care what the world thinks about God because they're wrong. What I care about is what Christians think about God. It would be, <laughs> well, it, it would be really concerning yeah. if the world got it more right than the evil. It would be. And I haven't, I'll admit, I haven't looked through all of these super thoroughly. I talked about it with good buddy Riley Schrode a little bit this morning about a few certain things, but I don't think that's going to be the case. So everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. 65% agree. This gets into the issue of original sin. You know, are we born with a sinful nature? The answer is a resounding yes. Yep. So I'm, I, but I can so, see well, how that would so get, I wonder if they're getting confused with are you born into sin versus does God punish someone who doesn't yet understand that well, Jesus they, gave us this free gift that we can accept? Now, and I, I'm, I'm going to be a little gracious with this one because there I've heard phenomenal arguments for age of accountability. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I, I lean like 51, 49 that there is one. <laughs> Like it's, it's, I am razor thin split on this, on so, this. Yeah. As am I, but like what is always interesting to me is that most people. It's not clearly almost scripture like, oh, well, other. it wouldn't really be fair if God punished the people who don't really understand him. And it, well, it's like, well, they chose to sin. So it's, yeah. God isn't, if it was fair, they wouldn't have existed in the first place because. God is fair. Sin. He's just was, yeah. holy, so he's not thinking yeah. what's fair for us. We try to compare God's justness with our human right. idea fairness. So, right. Yeah. 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 Now, I, I, I would love for there to be an, an age of accountability, but I, I, it's a very difficult thing. It's a very difficult, difficult line to walk as far as not wanting to read my own thoughts and wants and desires into scripture. Now this scripture does not say one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And when I've been asked this question by particularly kids at camp, I remember I had a kid named Bryson a couple of years ago and he had a sister that passed away when she was two years old. Mm-hmm. And he asked, is my sister in heaven or hell? And I, uh, what I said was, I don't know, but here's what scripture says. And what scripture says is that children are precious in the eyes of God. Um, 
and that God knit your sister together in her mother's womb and he loved her very much, loves her very much. That's all I said. Did I lie? Did I say anything incorrect? No. But, um, yeah, and like God made the right decision, whatever that may be. And now I have an inclination and what I would like to believe, but it's a very dangerous thing to try to read my desires into scripture and project that onto God. But that, that is this, this is one that I'm not really going to get super hung up on because it's not directly tied to the, uh, doctrine of original sin, but it, it does kind of push things in that direction. So moving on, um, we're going to look past church membership. Well, never mind. We're going to look at church membership. Every Christian has an obligation to join a church. Okay. 68% agree and 26% disagree. Now, 26% of Christians thinking that they don't quote unquote Christians thinking that they don't need to join a church is troubling. Um, the other 6% that are split on the issue and don't see it one way or the other is also kind of troubling. Something that's clear in scripture over and over again, we've heard the saying like no man is an Island and that's very, very true. Uh, as a church body, we see it in scripture. Don't forsake the fellowship the gathering of the saints. Um, it is in, um, uh, is it in Corinthians? I may be wrong about that. I'm just going to look it up. Cause I don't want to lie. It is in Hebrews. Okay. That was my second guess. And then I was like, actually yeah. it sounds wrong, but okay. so listen to the priority one book club in about seven weeks. And here's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, tune in for episode four tomorrow. Yeah. All right. So. Unless you're listening to this episode past the 18th of April, at which point Caleb just lied to you. Yes. The episode will be airing tomorrow. So go listen to it. The the date. What is tomorrow? April the 18th. April the 18th. Yeah. Specifications. Yeah. The day after when I thought my test was and the day before when my test actually is. Noted. Because that applied to literally everyone listening to this podcast yeah. as a time frame of reference. All right. Here's where things start to get frisky. Okay. Statement number 16. The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. Okay. Ooh. In 2014, 41%. Okay. Uh, this just says U.S. adults. I don't have the evangelical numbers here but we'll just talk about the u.s adults in 2014 41 percent agreed in 2016 44 percent agreed 2018 47 2020 48 and 2022 53 percent of u.s adults agreed with that statement that the bible is not literally true that's unfortunate quite and also concerning yeah yeah and in the same vein, the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior does not apply today. In 2016, 42% agreed. 2018, 44. Then in 2020, dipped down to 40. But in 2022, jumped back up to 46. 
This, so, is, this is how you get Sodom and Gomorrah at people. Yeah. The, this deals with the issue of Scripture's relevance today. And it's like, the, does what Paul said almost 2,000 years ago still apply today? Yeah. That brings into question, and this kind of goes hand in hand with the idea of, is Scripture literally true? Did all of this actually happen? Because if it did, then that matters a whole lot. But if it didn't actually happen, then it doesn't matter at all. Andrew, what's up? For all scriptures breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. What's the reference there? I have no clue. Second, Second Timothy, Timothy. Seven, three. three. No, okay, Second <laughs> Timothy. I think it's three sixteen. I think it is yeah, three sixteen. I'm I am not amazing with the references, but the the verses are there somewhere. See, that is true. I'm kind of backwards. I'm better with references and getting uh, like the gist of what the verse oh. says. No, because I memorized a bunch of verses like growing up, but yeah, the you references talk, you are talking your story about like you would sit at the breakfast table and memorize the, the, the bar. The we didn't have a table at your house. Yeah. Growing up, we didn't have a table. We weren't that fancy. Yeah. But th- this is one of those things we talked about earlier about wanting to like read our own perception of things into scripture and project that onto God. This is one of those things that we look at something in scripture and we've tried to kind of weasel our way into a different interpretation. So, the definition of uh, homosexual in the Bible has changed for like for, for progressive Christians. They've tried to change that um, to mean different things that I'm not going to, I'm not sure that we can really get into on this podcast for uh, Spotify reasons. Um, you know, if we're going to stay a non-explicit podcast, I'm not sure that we can talk about those things blatantly, but um, there's plenty of stuff out there. Apology of studios has a ton of stuff on this. Go listen to them where they, they can't talk about it, but a big movement has arisen where they're trying to change definitions of certain things. And all of a sudden God's word doesn't actually mean what it has always meant. And therefore it doesn't really apply today. Whereas historically, Scripture's always been very clear about a very particular thing. Like if you read 1 Corinthians 6, 9, I'm just going to pull it up real quick. I don't want to misquote it. That'd be irresponsible of me. I'm not a silly ghost. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Or do you not know that unrighteousness, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. And then it lists a whole other list of unsavory characters will inherit the kingdom of God. Scripture's pretty cut cut and dry on this. I think part of this could just be biblical illiteracy. Uh, Even Christians not knowing what Scripture actually says about certain topics. But then there's the aspect of wanting to read your political ideology or certain other things into scripture, which is just very unfortunate. Okay. Then here's one of the more concerning statements. God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Mm. 
So this is where we kind of get into run that back by me again. I was I was looking at a cowbell. Um, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Thou shalt have no, have thou thou shalt have no other gods before me. Which commandment is that, Andrew? Uh, that's right. I believe it's the first one. Yep. Yep. So, as of today, fifty-six percent of U.S. evangelicals agree with that statement. Hmm. They so, should go back and read Exodus. Yeah, I'm not good with references. It's in it's I 20. think twenty, and it's like verse eight. Maybe I don't remember. Is that where exactly Moses where comes off the mountain? Yeah, where Moses came down from the mountain and you know brings the word of God, and he's like, you know, here's what you shall do, and if you choose easy, you'll know it'll be blessed for generations. And then it goes straight into the. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of yeah. the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Well, I can you see, shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. I can see how some would say, well, it's not another God. They're worshiping. They say they're worshiping the same God. So at that point, they I would say, say they're worshiping the same God, but it is not the same God. I at that point, I would also say go read Malachi, where God says, if it's unworthy worship, I'd rather them just close the doors of the temple because yeah. it's completely worthless to me. It is they they use the same name, but their definition makes it a completely different God. Yep. Well, in except for uh, like Judaism, the, the, and a, well, to an extent. I, I've gone back and forth on this and I used to just believe that, you know, Jews worshiping correctly, but there are very different beliefs about the nature of God and the individual that rabbinic Jews worship is very different than the individual that we worship as Christians. And it's not the same person. I would also say the same about Islam. We were just talking about this tonight when I was in yeah, class. Islam's in the same boat. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cause we're in the middle of Ramadan right now and, um, one of the faculty members in PSPA is Muslim, a practicing Muslim. And she was telling our professor earlier today that like today is like the biggest day. I don't know that much about it, but this is just what he was saying. Today is like the biggest day. He's just apparently there are things like tonight is the night that you pray for things that you can't pray for any other day of the year. And I was like, that is so heartbreaking to me to think that there's yeah. only like, if like, what if I have something going on? Like tonight is the night. If there is something that I need or that is, you know, weighing on me. This is the only night I can pray for it and hope that God will answer it. Like that is such a heartbreaking thing to practice. I don't know. That was just really, really sad to me to hear them yeah. say that. Yeah. So that's um, obviously not the same God because our God, like, you know, the veil is torn. Like that mm -hmm, Jesus did on the right. cross so mm -hmm. we can go to his throne any time of day, any day of the year. And on that same note regarding Christ is if you, if you deny the, divinity of christ then you're denying the nature of god himself and therefore it's a totally and different god. like the the islam's like belief about christ is that he did have a miraculous birth and that he lived his life as a very good person and then and on the night that yeah that he's a prophet and then on the night that he was to be betrayed and crucified one of his apostles took his place and right. god Someone changed else. the appearance of one of his apostles to look like jesus and that right. is who died and then they stole the body and then jesus went back out and then he ascended and he's living in heaven and right now and someday he's going to come back and he's going to die a natural death of old age right 
Yeah. That's that's one of their is that one of their like five pillars? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not one of okay, so I don't know that it's necessarily one of the five pillars of the faith. Like you have to the, Well, one of the this, five this, pillars this. is about the belief in the prophet specifically. And another interesting well, thing is more so as far as as far as, I could be completely wrong about this, as far as my knowledge goes, that's more so about the affirmation of Muhammad as the holiest of the prophets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the pillars is about here's like a list of the prophets of which Muhammad is the greatest. Right. Even though if you look at it, Muhammad is not even mentioned in their writings enough for him to be considered a prophet. I don't know, but By that doesn't make standard. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. By their own standard. Other interesting thing is like we were at a, a Islamic temple in New York and they were going over like the five um, pillars and they like let people in our group ask questions and someone asked, well, so like what if they don't, you know, pray five times a day. It's like, oh, well, these are more of just general guidelines to help you to live a good life. You aren't going to be punished if you don't do them. The only way you're going to get punished is if you do more bad than good in your life. It's like, yeah, there's really no hope in right. y'all's lives. And that, that was what was sad to me is that they have all these beliefs and yet right. they have no hope. Yeah. No assurance of salvation. Whatsoever. I mean, cause none at all. You can put those in the same level as like drinking 80 ounces of water a day and you know eating greens you know what i'm saying like those are all things that help you live a good life yeah well i feel like when like growing up and hearing about like the islamic faith i was like okay so they have these five things and they follow them so devoutly and then right. i like go see yeah. that it's like well they kind of see them to us like oh exercise right oh you know, it's good for you if you do them but i wonder if that just i wonder if that's like an americanized version of islam you know like we have i, I honestly think it probably is because like he was talking about, well, if, you know, he's at like work or something and he gets distracted and can't take the time to go pray, well, uh, he's not going to be punished for that. See, that's 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 definitely an American mindset because they're, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Many countries that's, in the Middle East a, where that would not hmm, pass. It doesn't feel good to break these laws we made up. Let's <laughs> make them not as severe. Yeah. <laughs> to make us feel better yeah. about ourselves. Well, the same thing is just like acceptance in American culture of, you know, like what would my yeah. coworkers think of me when I have to get, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, that just. Or, hey, let's just, you know, not believe what the Bible says about homosexuality or something like right. that. Yeah, it's convenient, you know, it's just more convenient for us if we don't have to speak out against it. Yeah. Yep. So, so sad. Yeah. What, and I, I think a commonplace where christians get this kind of thing wrong is we want to appear nice and kind mm -hmm. I, but to a certain degree like we idolize niceness over the uh if, if it comes down to it like there's kindness does not have the that is not is not defined the way that we kind of approach it in, at, in our culture um like kindness in scripture would be to do the to, to do the loving thing right okay? the loving thing for me to do if i'm talking to someone who's islamic is not to who's a muslim is not to affirm their belief in this uh god that muhammad proclaims that said that the promise of god followed ishmael instead of isaac yeah the the there's no kindness in me affirming that belief because that belief is going to take them to hell in a handbasket. Mm -hmm. yeah, so a, a 
placing too much value on being nice as opposed to being loving is mm-hmm. kind of where we go wrong a lot. Because it is possible to be kind and confrontational. And that's yeah. a yeah. fine line and it can be hard to learn and you know, you learn by mistakes. Sure. But that is definitely a possible. You can be confrontational and be speaking truth while also being courteous and yeah. kind. Yeah. Even if it's not the quote unquote nice, like don't step on anyone's toes thing to right. do. All right. All right. Moving on to another statement. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. So what per, I want, I want y'all to guess what percent of us evangelicals agreed with this statement in 2022. Andrew, what's your number? I really hope it's. I was like, I know what I, I hope it is. I really what I think. hope. I don't care what you hope it is. What do you think it actually is? Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. And this is percentage of people who agree with that. The percentage of U.S. evangelicals. Is it? Please let it be less than thirty. See, I was going to say high thirties or maybe low forties. Give me a number. Give me a number. Is it higher than, is it I'm lower? Not, I'm than, not telling you. I want you to give me a number, Andrew. <laughs> okay, There's between 10 and 90. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so thanks a lot. <laughs> 32. 32? Agree, and that's a horrible number. <laughs> I'm going to go 41. 41. Okay, in 2020, 30% agreed. What in about? 2022, 43% agreed. That Jesus that was a great teacher, but was not God. I want. I want a new survey. How many? <laughs> um, evan. How are they referred to? Evangelicals. U.S. evangelicals. U.S. evangelicals. How many of them read their Bible? Yeah, I would love to know. I think there's. Hang on. I mean, there's me, plenty of stati- That's one see. of those things where I think it really matters where you get your statistics from. And because how many go past? I read my Bible and seek to understand what the scriptures say. What I would be more interested in is like a, a actual biblical literacy test. Mm. What what was the average score? Nationwide Bible drills. Yeah. <laughs> well, like if y'all see those videos of like the guy that goes to Walmart and it's like, I'll give you $30 if you can tell me a Bible verse right now. Right. And Bro, they're I'll like, fill up your ticket gas. Or yeah. Whatever. Or whatever. And then they, they it's like, Bro, in, I need to go to that Walmart. Well, I know, but it's like Southern, like Bible belt states, like Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, somewhere in there. I don't know where he's at. Or there may be multiple people that do it. I've seen the video. Job three, two. He said, let's go. <laughs> yeah. John eleven thirty. Jesus wept. And if you pick the right translation, he wept. He even wept, shorter. Yeah. Even shorter. But even like John three sixteen, I feel like there are so many people who know that verse, whether they understand what it means or not, they just can spout it off because they learned it well, when they're six how, years old at their grandmother's church. Or you know? even more of the like, this makes me feel better about myself. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens ooh, me. Ooh. Right. Or God is within her. She will not fail. Oh my gosh. Don't, oh get, me, my don't get me started <laughs> on that <laughs> one. Do not get me started on that one. That is taken out of context. For anyone who doesn't know, that is not what that verse means. Please do not put that on a mug you or t shirt anywhere even, in your never house. Never even heard that verse before I came to college and got Instagram. And got Instagram. <laughs> 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 he said, Wow, these girls got this in their Instagram bio. <laughs> my, my pastor back Hilarious. home, Clinton, did a whole series on coffee cup verses. And it was to this day was one of my favorite things ever. 
That was I would love it if Scott Kappelman, Scott Kappelman, if you're listening to this, please do that as a sermon series. Yeah. Seriously. All right. Okay, I have a frequency. It says Pew. Uh, I don't know who the demographic is. I, I would really want to know the criteria, though, because you could say that you read your Bible if you go to church every now and then and you're shopping up your Bible then. Right. Or, like, with what frequency do you read your Bible? Well, that's what this is, is frequency. Okay. Um. I want to see, hang on, let me see the demo. Uh, this is just age. I was trying to see if it's just like U.S. adults. I, th- I think it probably is. I'm right. not going to read all their methodology right now. But um, frequency of reading scripture. This is a religious landscape study in Pew Research. Uh, this was, I don't know what year. When I find the year, I'll let you know. Um, frequency of reading scripture, 35, oh. 20, in 2014, 35% at least once a week. 45% was seldom or never. 10% once or twice a month, 8% several times a year, and 1% don't know. I mean, if you don't know, it's, yeah, it's probably it's a no. A it's not a good sign. <laughs> That's yeah. not a good sign. Um, oh, oh, here we go. By religious group. This is what I was looking for. Mainline Protestant. Is that what we're... We'll say sure, mainline that, Protestant. Mainline, let's say evangelical, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mainline Protestant, uh, 30% at least once a week. 44% seldom or never. 12% several times a year and 13% once or twice a you month. You said 33% at least once a week? 30. 30%. That seems a little high, honestly. That yep. sounds a little bit high. I don't know. So, and then they also have... Pretty much every other. Oh, evangelical. Wait, wait, wait. There's hope. Evangelical Protestant is a different category that I didn't see until just this moment. 63% says at least once a week. That's definitely not true. Well. There's no way. It's optimistic. No, I agree. 18% seldom never. 7% several times a year. 12% once or twice a month. Yeah, that's. I would love for that to be true. I would too. Again, this is 2014. From what I can okay. tell. So uh, I know I didn't read my Bible every week when I was 14. <laughs> That's the next one. It's distribution by age group. Okay. Anyways, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but there's a Pew study on it. There's yeah. several studies on it, but yeah. we're not gonna go through every single one of these statements, but there are a couple more that I want to touch on. Um so statement number 31 31. Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. In 2022, 38% of U.S. evangelicals agree with that statement. The statement is, religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. And you said 31? 38. 38%. 38%. Of U.S. evangelicals agree with that statement. Well, yeah. Doesn't that kind of just go back to the, well, you can make it whatever you want to be, but depending on what you right. believe. Right. I feel like we've already discussed that issue. We have. And it's, like, like I said, I'm not going to go over a lot of these because I don't want to beat a dead horse, but just some things that I wanted to That's offensive to animals. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to talk about that one for other reasons. <laughs> You'll have to tell us later. Uh, okay. 
uh, abortion is a sin. Should have just like hooked Caleb up to that screen so he could. Oh, that been abortion crazy. is a sin. Ninety-one percent agree. Uh, the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. Only twenty-eight percent agree. Wait, wait, wait! Run that back by me again. The Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. Oh, we already went over that one. Oh, yeah, but only but it's framed differently um, than earlier. I think this is like one of the follow-up questions. To was the first one talking about the punishments? Well, no. So the first one was t- like asking the like saying the question. Oh, not saying the question, but it's saying the Bible. I'm just going to scroll back up to it because it was framed differently. Did I just blank out when you talked? I don't remember that question. No, we talked about it. It's the second. (laughs) Never mind. We we did talk about that already. This it's showing. Okay, it was breaking it down differently, and I'm not sure why. Um, Maybe they thought it was important. They said. To reiterate, let's put it back down to the bottom so people can read it again. Yeah, I'm not sure about this. And it's whack. Okay, earlier that was the U.S. as a whole. Uh, and this is just U.S. evangelicals. So, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You think they just put those two things back to back, but. You would think. Smart Look in person. Here, do better. <laughs> You do a great job, but you know, well, do better. Maybe it looks different on a desktop. You maybe. are using your phone, so this is true. So twenty eight. Only he would send me the link so we could have it up on the TV. <laughs> Andrew's like, let me say oh, well, one more time. In twenty uh, in twenty twenty two, twenty eight percent of U.S. evangelicals agree with the statement that the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. So, I mean, it's, it's better than forty six, which is what the U.S. says. Are supposed to be better than that though yeah and i i am not sure exactly to what degree they vet these individuals or if at all it may be one of those things like hey are you an evangelical then answer the survey or it may there may be some vetting i don't know but what i think a hopefully lot of you hopefully you know a lot of them just think Oh, well, if you look at God striking down Sodom and Gomorrah, so should I go and kill my homosexual neighbor? It's probably not a great idea. I would, you know, show them the love of Jesus Christ. Right. Maybe that's what they're thinking, but that's a stretch. This is a stretch. I think what a lot of this boils down to is, Ryan and I talked about this this morning. For the longest time, Really, I really felt like the church was overdue for a good weeding out, mm-hmm. and more or less, we got we kind of got that with COVID. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that went to church on Sunday mornings, either out of obligation or just to be seen, stopped going during COVID, like everybody else did. When we were locked down, but they never came back. Andrew's highlighting something with my glasses on. Only 25% of Americans now attend church on any given Sunday, significantly down from 47% in 1990. Yeah. And there have been other studies coming out showing the uh, showing what Americans value over time. And religion has dropped down to, like I want to say, 35-ish percent. Only 35-ish percent of Americans really value religion at all. 
which I think is kind of incredible. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I, I wish I could say I was surprised, but that number is probably about right. I would say even maybe not so much around here, but it's definitely trending that direction even down here. And we, we see a little bit different side of it being a college town, but I don't know. Well, then you wonder to what extent of these, you know, 25 that are going to church are doing it. Oh, it makes me feel good if I go to church versus those who are actually right. going for spiritual right. growth and the right reasons. So. Or my family goes or, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, there's so many reasons people go. Well, there are always, this is just the sad reality of it. There are always going to be people that go to church and are not Christians. Absolutely. Like statistically, also, it's going to happen. I would like for that to be a statistical uh minutia but but at the same time like where well, else do you want a right I, I mean if, than yeah at I mean, church do you, do you want your church to only have real no, christians no. in it no because then you're not doing hard the job to minister to the unbelievers yeah. if they don't yeah. show up yeah. yeah for sure but the issue rises when people think they're a christian or yeah. think they're good and they're like i don't this doesn't apply to me you know it's go- whenever they share the gospel oh this doesn't apply to me. i went to church this week check right right yeah. and that's 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 where it can become this is my religion and <laughs> i touched on this earlier with regard to the idea of affirming other faiths one of the most unloving things that we as christians can do is blindly affirm someone else in what they claim to be a genuine faith uh it's all over I- i'm leading a bible study in first timothy right now mm. And like first Timothy five talks about if, if you have an issue with someone older than you, you know, treat them like a father. You know, if you, if they're doing something wrong, go to me like, Hey, we need to get this fixed out. Doing it. We need to get this fixed, but do it in a loving way. Um, if you see warning signs from someone claiming to be a Christian, like someone saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe that Jesus is God then that needs to be corrected henceforth and immediately. Mm-hmm. That is not okay. Because to take the Romans 10, 9 and 10 perspective, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe your heart that he rose from the grave, then if you don't believe that Jesus is God, then Jesus can't be Lord of your life. There can only be one Lord of your life, and that Lord needs to be God, who also happens you know, to be Jesus. So if Jesus isn't, Lord of your life, then Jesus isn't God. Yeah. So, Seems like somewhat recently we went over this uh, this this chapter talking about how like superior Jesus is as Lord over everything, and it's isn't there this verse in this book called Hebrews where God refers to the, him to Jesus as Lord? So the verse is referenced in Hebrews, but it's actually in Psalm it's, eight. Yeah. So uh, we talk about this in the first episode of the Pride One Book Club, currently only on Spotify. We're going to take care of that. But Caleb's fault. We'll let you go listen to it. Mm. Welcome Welcome back. back. Hope you enjoyed that episode. It was a banger. Such a good episode. We're loving Hebrews right now. So, uh, yeah, that's that's all we're going to talk about as far as the survey goes. It's just really kind of depressing to see even like the, the U S evangelicals where it's getting harder and harder to uh, 
like I don't think that we as a society are ever going to get to the point. Well, I'm uh, I'm not going to say that. I don't think in our lifetime we're going to see the United States get to like the Afghanistan, Iran, China's of the world that level of Christian oppression. Um, I don't think we'll get particularly close. Definitely not legally, but almost certainly not even culturally. But I, I fear that um, before anything like that would happen, it would be more of a, well, your religion really doesn't accept all these people. So you right. need to change some stuff around mm-hmm. to be accepted. That is what I fear most. And right. that I, I, I know people that will, would stand up against it, but I fear that a lot of American Christians would be okay with that. And that's yeah. that. Yeah. And that's I, a lot of what the survey is showing. Yeah. My, my prediction would have been that as the number of Christians in the United States continues to uh, decrease relative to the population, that concert, that, that the evangelicals would consistently have a more biblically conservative uh, view across the spectrum. Like if you're an evangelical, then fewer and fewer and fewer people within the church would agree with the statement that Jesus is not God. But we're seeing the opposite of that trend. More and more and more evangelicals are agreeing with the statement that Jesus is not God. Well, I think it's going to get to a point where it's it's not going to be a a a disapproval of Christians. It's just going to be a putting aside of like, yeah, okay, like like Andrew said, like you know, you don't accept all these people, so you need to change. Oh, you're not changing. Well, then we don't care. You know what I'm saying? And we're kind of seeing that now. If it's 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 not a there are some people who are going to attack it, but it's it's less of an attack and more just a disregarding and just like putting in the corner and saying, okay, that's fine, but like. It's but it's not don't, accepted. Don't bring it over here. Keep yeah. it in your little corner. And so as we see that increase more and more, the number of people identifying as evangelicals are going to decrease, which I think will change those numbers. Um, because you're you're having you're still having the overlap of people who are acting like they're putting Christianity to the side, but are still going to say it in name of like, oh yeah, I'm an evangelical. Oh yeah, I'm a member of a such and such church. But as their attitudes continue One. towards the trend they're on, it's just going to shift they're gonna have to go form a new denomination or is what we've seen a cult basically of yeah not adhering to the word of god mm. oh well if we forget take out this this and this stuff yeah times do be a changing yep. they always have they always say, will. they always have been they always will be one of the constants in life um change so Hope that was insightful a little bit to you at least. Uh, you can go look at the entire survey at stateoftheology.com. Yeah, stateoftheology.com. Ligonier does a good job putting all that together and it needs a way for you to understand it. So go check it out. So now we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 8. So I talked about this kind of leading in a little bit earlier in that We've referenced this chapter of scripture a few times over the course of the podcast the last year or so, and not really done a deep dive into what First Corinthians eight is all about. So, for some context, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, a super morally depraved culture. Uh, Corinth was known for pots, prostitutes, and not much else. 
Occasionally, a philosopher would come through and give some talks. That was about it. And one of the things that would go on is uh, animals would be sacrificed to these gods, these false gods, particularly in Corinth. The temple of Aphrodite was there. Um, But there would be other false idols available to make sacrifices to. So this meat from the animals that were sacrificed would then later be sold at marketplaces for people to you know, buy and eat and everything. So they didn't want to like go to waste. So I'm just, I'm going to, it's not a particularly long chapter, so I'm just going to read it all start to finish. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as readily offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat it, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge, not, excuse me, I'll start with that verse, sorry, verse 10. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge this weak person is destroyed, the brother, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So the idea here, what's really going down is, let's paint the picture. I, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for a while. I'm a mature Christian. I understand that this meat that's being offered to idols, these idols don't actually exist. They're not actually gods. They don't really carry any power at all. So if I eat this meat, nothing really going on here. This meat is not really defiled because it hasn't been offered to any actual entity, not any real God. There's only one God through whom we exist. So I can eat that meat with a clear conscience. Like that meat was given to me for consumption, for uh, to enjoy, not gluttonously, but to enjoy the taste and the texture and what this, that, and the other. And I can I can do that with other mature believers. But what I shouldn't do is if I have a brother in Christ recently converted who's not mature in the faith and isn't super well built up yet, I shouldn't go buy that meat from the market that I've knowingly bought. Uh, ha- having known that I've bought meat, I was offered to an idol. I shouldn't buy that, bring it to my house, offer it and prepare it to him and let him know that he is eating meat that was offered to an idol because that would cause him 
to sin against his conscience. This isn't to tell us that our conscience is this absolute moral standard to which we should always abide by, but more so to say like there's nothing wrong with not eating the meat. And there's going to come a point in time later on down the road for this new believer where he needs to be able to trust his conscience and listen to his conscience. And if you're teaching him now to betray his conscience, then he's going to do the same later on. So it's, it's important for us as Christians to understand that there are certain things that I, as a believer, may have the right to do, but that doesn't mean that I should do it. So I think that the uh, best picture of this for us as college students would be like alcohol. Uh, I'm, I'm not in the camp that uh, I believe where drinking alcohol is inherently sinful. It can be sinful. Uh, and it does lead to drunkenness. And if you allow yourself to be intoxicated to that degree, then yes, you have sinned. But do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Don't you don't use it to replace what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in your life. Right. So, but that's not to say that drinking is inherently sinful. So, if I were to drink alcohol, like if I if I was to have a glass of wine at my home. Not then, not the rubbing alcohol in the medicine cabinet. Not the rubbing cabinet. alcohol, yes. <laughs> not isopropyl alcohol. That will kill you. We're talking about ethanol. And it tastes bad. Aren't your bleed all tastes bad. <laughs> but me having a glass of wine in my house, not getting drunk, affects nobody but me. And if I'm not getting drunk, then no sin is committed. But if I take someone who like a college student gets saved, had an alcohol problem before getting saved. And I bring them to my house and I'm drinking from a bottle of wine in front of them for them. That's a big stumbling block. One of the best things, one of the most important things that you can do is if there's a former sin struggle that you had is to remove yourself from that situation entirely. Like if you had a problem with drugs or alcohol, avoid those places altogether. It's like, don't go to bars. That's a great start. If you had a drug problem, don't drive past your dealer's house, you know? <laughs> like, Caleb knows it's a person. Hold on, back up for a second. Apparently. Who drinks wine straight out of the bottle? I was just, okay, whatever. <laughs> this is all hypothetical people. This is just, <laughs> this is just whatever. Okay. Caleb's like, I'm going to bring someone over and I'm just going to have a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> casual conversation. <laughs> Just chug a lug a lugging. The problem is, is that I can perfectly envision Caleb calls there holding a <laughs> bottle of wine by the neck and just, just <laughs> name the town on it. I completely lost my train of thought. The, oh, if if you're if you had a drug don't drive past the dealer's house, don't drive past the dealer's house. Yeah, it so, might just be a stumbling block. Careful, right? So remove yourself from those situations. So if. I, if I take this new believer, bring it to my house, and me and uh, Andrew and Lauren, we're enjoying a glass of wine, no big deal. But they see that and they're like, oh my gosh, this is insane. I can't be around this. And then we offer it to them. Then they feel pressured. It's like, oh, these Christians are offering me this glass of wine. I should do it. I don't really feel comfortable doing it, but I should do it. And they drink it. They sin against their conscience and they're learning and being conditioned to betray their conscience. Well, and I think you could also say in the same line, there are things that 
how do I word this? There are things that some people feel like the Lord has drawn a boundary line for them. Sure. Even though it's different from other people, you know, and people in the way they dress and things they say, I mean, watch, whatever. I mean, there's there's a plethora of things of, these are things that I don't feel comfortable doing because of this is the what I feel like the Lord, the standard the Lord has led for me, but it can be completely different from you, but that doesn't make either one of us wrong in that. Right. And I think that's exactly what this is talking about, even if it's not just a, a as extreme of a scenario as that, but just right. any little thing of, hey, I just feel like that's not something that I well, feel right great, about doing. A great example of this is vegans today. So there are a lot of vegans like who are genuine Christians and uh, th- there was a girl that I was in Salt Lake City with. She wasn't with our group. She was with another group, but we saw her a lot over the course of the summer. Um, she's she's a vegan, but and it wasn't for like taste or texture or allergies or anything. It's because she didn't really like the nature in which some of the animals were treated. Like, okay, That's I get fine. that. I get that. Yeah. And if you don't want to take part in that, then so be it. I'm not going to force it on you, whatever. That is absolutely something where um but but she was a mature believer and is like yeah this is just a personal thing for me cool but if someone who is a vegan becomes a christian but doesn't and understandably so doesn't want to leave that part of their life behind wants to yeah remain a vegan then it would be wrong for me to knowingly acts where the lord well, said right. Kill it would be wrong for me to invite them over to my house and make like bacon wrapped pork chops you know? knowing that they knowing, this is the like, standard yeah. they have yeah 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 so that's why paul says very clearly therefore if food makes my brother stumble i will never eat meat lest my brother stumble like my chief concern should be ensuring that uh this new believer does not sin against their conscience and even to take it another step forward john MacArthur talked about this um, in one of his sermons that i listened to a while ago if you as a mature believer are going with let's say a new believer to a non-believer's house like this new believer's hyped up wants to do some evangelism but understands like hey i probably shouldn't do this by myself because i'm not as knowledgeable i'm not as mature whatever so like okay yeah it's great let's go do some evangelism together um the proper way to do that so you go to an unbeliever's house and the unbeliever, the non-believer prepares, let's, let's just say that it's meat in this case. Now, me as the mature believer, I know that I can eat this meat and it's fine. It's not going to defile me, whatever. Um, but this non-believer, I mean, I mean this, this new believer maybe doesn't get a whole, doesn't grasp that so much. Well, now I'm in a bit of a bind. What do I do? Do I eat the meat and appear rude to the host, the non-believer, or do I protect the conscience of the new believer? Mm-hmm. And John MacArthur was very clear about this. You 100% absolutely protect the conscience of the new believer because that non-believer, it, your refusal to uh, eat whatever they provided is not going to inherently sear their conscience as much. What in reality is going to happen is they see your love for the new believer and all of a sudden their respect for you is amplified. Mm -hmm. And that, and I think let's, 
I think the most likely scenario here would be alcohol. So if the non-believer host offers us a glass of wine, but the new believer's like, no, I, I can't do this. Then the correct response for me would be to say, yeah, I won't have any either because it is entirely more important that that new believer is able to listen to their conscience and trust it later on down the road than it is for the non-believer to be able to do that because that non-believer is not dwelt the Holy Spirit and this, that, and the other. But your love for the new believer will bear witness to the non-believer more so than anything. Yep. So if you've heard us reference 1 Corinthians 8, uh, talk about other issues as being 1 Corinthians 8 issues in the past 44 episodes of the podcast. We'll let you go listen to them all real quick. Welcome, Welcome back. back. Then you kind of know what we're talking about. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on all of that? Lauren and Andrew. Okay, good talk. <laughs> I wonder if you can actually hear the crickets outside. Yeah, there. they're actual crickets. They're actual <laughs> frogs and critters frogs, outside chirping. Um, so, yeah. That's been a Another lovely installment of the Priority One podcast. As always, I'm Caleb. I'm Lauren. I'm confused, but my name's Andrew. <laughs> so don't forget homework. to tune into the Priority One Book Club. Uh, go listen to the first three soon to be four episodes. Appreciate you. Bye. Adios. <laughs>